If you were wanting to begin your fitness journey, whether it's a first step trying to lose a couple of pounds or it's running an Ironman, then this is the podcast for you. Marcus Kennedy is an ultra marathon runner. He recently completed an Ironman and he is a personal trainer, a qualified personal trainer at that. I know on social media nowadays, you have so many non-qualified personal trainers. He is going to teach you how he tailored his diet and training routine to run an Ironman and also how he would train you if you were his client. This is the Infodine Podcast. My name is Harrison Brown. If you're watching or listening, I hope this helps. started my job you know like to become a personal trainer no one wants a personal trainer that goes out every weekend yeah let's yeah. be honest it doesn't look good mm. um so it's a bit like having a fat doctor You're yeah like, if you can't look after yourself like, <laughs> sorry but how is this really shit working here yeah. you're telling me to lose weight yeah and you're a fat doctor yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't work yeah so after that, I reckon that's when I really started to like hone in on this health journey. Mm. Um, I started to look after myself more, started to take life like seriously because obviously I was injured a lot through rugby. And I think from then, it was just a case of if I don't do it now, when's this going to happen? Uh, so uh, post-COVID, um, that's when I started to really like hone in on that. Yeah, yeah. And um, you've just made the jump from going from, I know we discussed it earlier, but you've just made the jump from going from Glen Eagles Townhouse in, in Scotland mm-hmm. to freelance, haven't you? Yeah, totally. So uh, I was there for a year and a half. We were there for the opening of it. Ah. I took a big jump. I was in an environment which I was probably really comfortable in. So my first PT job was with probably my my best mate. Mm. Um, he got He got me in there. Um, I, I mean, I got myself in there, but he, you know, helped me make that big step. And then I probably realized it was a good time to jump ship at the time. Mm. So not because it was a bad situation I was in, but it was a situation where I was like, I need to see what this other side is like. So I moved to Glen Eagles Townhouse for opening uh, June 2022. So it feels like ages ago now, yeah, but, we're getting honest, but it, it feels like yesterday at the same time. Yeah, and that that was a, that was a huge challenge. That was a big challenge because I was going into a space where I didn't know what life was like. Like I was training people that might not might not necessarily have the same goals as me. Mm. They might not want to run marathons. They might not want to do Ironmans. But I think that adaption was so good for me because. I tried to be a master at my craft, but to be a master of my craft, I had to learn the other side, so the the basics, um, and not just hone in on what I was interested in. Mm. It was what they were interested in. So it's not what it's not my needs. It's not what I want them to do. It's what do you need off of me mm. to make you better. So that made me. Um, it didn't like humble me or anything. It just kind of simplified coaching. Coaching in its finest form is providing you know, what you need as a client. I think that comes with every aspect of life. Yep. Um, so if you came to me and said, I want X and Y and Z, I can challenge you on that. But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, what do you actually want? What do you need? It's not what I want. I, mm. I mean, I can't give a shit what I want. It's like, you're the priority here. So yeah. I think that's where a lot of people get caught up and not just my industry is like, it's what, what I want. It's not, 
nothing to do with what I want. It's, yeah. what you, it's what you want as a client. Do you think that people, when they come to you, have unrealistic expectations of what a good body perhaps looks like? Because if you look at these like movie stars that are just up to the gills, like mm -hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal, mm -hmm. and he's ripped and he's shredded and he's like definitely on steroids. Mm -hmm. Do you think that it's kind of unrealistic for people to be like, oh, I want to look like Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> I think, yeah, like totally. But at the same time, like these... These people are good at what they do. Mm. Like, just because you take steroids or testosterone, like I know a few people that do it, it doesn't make them like not good at what they do. If anything, I respect them massively. Mm. Not because they take it. I don't agree with that side. And I've had a conversation with someone that does and it doesn't actually change that much, like my outlook on them. Um, but I respect them massively because it, it, it is... It's, People think it's a quick fix. Mm -hmm. You still have to work bloody hard. Like, there's no, you can't skip anything. Yeah. Everything's just, you can get bigger. You can do more than what your body is supposed to do because you're giving it more. Yeah. Um, but you might, you know, you'll have a lot of body adaptions. Yeah, you'll, <laughs> that, you'll, you'll, your balls you'll, are shrinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll know a lot. Um, yeah. There's a lot that changes to your body. But going back to your question, like, these guys need to get in top, tip top shape for the for whatever they need to, mm -hmm. you know, do movie wise, etc. So Jake uh, Gyllenhaal, 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 yeah, that's how you say it. Um, he's a handsome fella. Yeah, he's a good looking boy. <laughs> um, but, he, but he also has like, see if you look at normal people, they've got nine to five jobs. Mm -hmm. right the, the normal working people normally work nine to five it's different when you work freelance or you have your own business or something like that but typically that's what you work these guys jobs from nine until five is to get in that mm -hmm. shape yeah, and totally. they, for like six months so obviously they're going to be absolutely ripped um but then but then the scary thing is that it can go the flip way and i had a discussion with a gentleman called brian costello on the podcast and i want to hear your take on this okay overweight or obese models that uh that there's kind of a movement around oh, this is a good one <laughs> not fat shaming and i've got i think our views will align here i think that fundamentally overweight models or models in general should be something you aspire to you might never get there but at least you're making a health journey to get there jake gyllenhaal for mm -hmm. example mm -hmm. he's ripped he's on steroids you'll never get there average mm -hmm. normal working mm -hmm. people but at least you're making steps in the right direction mm -hmm. Why would you promote an obese person? Oh, like Harrison, mate, I'm I'm totally with you on this one. Yeah, like this is good because yeah. I am. There's no, I'm not pretending here. Yeah. This is I've never been overweight, so it's um, is it a bias uh, outlook on it? Probably, but at the same time, I I mean I don't know how it feels to be overweight. Mm. Um, however, I know how it feels to be. I would say not underweight, but I I know how it feels to lose. You know, weight. I lost eight to 10 kilos when I did my Ironman. Um, you know, you can't be a chunky Ironman and think yeah, it's you, you know, to succeed. Like you have to be able to go for 13 hours and to be perfectly honest, bicep curls aren't going to help you yeah. go for 13 <laughs> yeah. hours. Um, but going back to your point, like obese models, if you actually think about that, like what, what makes that okay in the first place? Like people have to look up to certain people i get that it's okay it's completely okay uh, thinking that that's okay to be obese but that's not what sh people should aspire to be mm. you know if you're overweight there is something fundamental fundamentally wrong in your life yeah 
you know that that comes down to habits that comes down to um consistency in your diet like i'm not asking you or no one is asking you to have a six pack and look like jake gillenhall or yeah. you know no one is asking you to be like that that's un- that is probably unrealistic to 99% of the population but being overweight and getting it confused with you know that being okay like it's it, yes it's okay but it's not something that we should aspire to not at all not at all like dangerous yeah it's, it's a it's a really bad outlook to have um and i think it, i think the last few years has definitely not helped that because we fall into this culture or this outlook on life that makes it okay to be like that like it's not it's not yeah. You know, it's just not because if we actually look at the the nitty gritty of it, if you're overweight, there's probably a higher chance that you're going to pro- have a heart attack. Mm. There's a higher chance that you're going to have a stroke. There's a higher dependency dependency on the NHS. Like you could keep going. I'm not qualified enough to speak past probably the NHS point, but mm. once you get to the NHS, you rely on the health system more, which yeah. costs more to the government. Like if you actually look at it, that does not make it okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you're acting, you know, I actually like, so see when I go to the gym, I actually like seeing overweight people graft. I don't care if you're walking on a treadmill, you are doing your utmost to try. I'm okay with that. But, you know, creating these, um, these models and being comfortable not saying you want to lose weight, I just find that mad. Yep. yep. I don't know, what's your take on it? I'm kind of the same. I, I think it's fundamentally dangerous. And I think... <clears throat> you'd never put uh, cigarettes on uh, advertisement boards because it's dangerous. Yeah. So why would you put something with uh, very fundamentally uh, dangerous health implications on posters, what? on magazines, on social media? I think social media is dangerous now because it spreads like wildfire. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it just goes like that. Yeah. Um, and as you said, like, the cigarette point, like it's such a good comparison because mm. it's just dangerous. Yeah, so the, and if but, people would see a cigarette, they'd be like, they'd freak oh, out. that's disgusting. That's really dangerous mm-hmm. because it's been drilled into us. But society now is saying, that's okay to be overweight. Mm-hmm. We'll fix you. We can give you liposuction. And you know, and you know the mad thing is, these are the people that try all these hacks to try and lose weight. <laughs> yeah. And that's, the, what, that's the mad thing about it. And the one that we, we were discussing previously, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll love, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Lemon and water on TikTok. What's your thoughts? I mean, I've never tried lemon and water. <laughs> All I know is it's a load of shite. Yeah. Um, there will listen. There will be some sort of benefit, or, you know, from it. But um, as we were speaking previously, mm. the people that are having the lemon water are probably the ones that are, you know, skipping to like a a belt with electrodes going into your six pack. Mm. I mean, these are the quick fixes that we're on about. Yeah. Um, and if we want to go like more into it, it's the instant gratification. They want that instant result because as society now, we're used to getting quick answers, quick results. Um, and if you look at the people that are, that are successful, it's taken 20 to 30 years at least to perfect their craft. Yeah. So for you, you, you know, as we were speaking, like your dad, you know, he runs very successful jewelry business, but like that's taking years to build up reputation, brand. It's taking probably years to train you up to the standard, which you probably still aren't at, mm. you know, to meet his standard. Mm-hmm. Like, but these people want these quick results, these 
instant um instant gratification that's what it is yeah and it you takes years you're right though it takes years i think especially i've uh, uh, experienced this especially i've had a couple of kind of more viral moments and the the there's a couple of brands that wanted to buy footage off of me and stuff like that and i remember speaking to a, a buddy of mine called adrian he's, he's a big youtuber mm -hmm. and he was like you need to understand harrison that it's not just the footage they want to buy you've learned how to let's say fly a drone over six years you then got up at three in the morning to climb a mountain and get the perfect light and they're wanting to buy a drone shot off of you for like minimal amounts he was like no why don't you train someone for six years and get it yourself and that's why it needs to, like you need that the payment needs to be sufficient to the craft oh totally like it's taken i don't think i'm perfect but like i have i put in the extra hours in order to be better than i was yesterday mm. and like i'm not that's probably why i'm not into the transformation side of things because i'm more into the performance so most of the people i coach are people that are looking to enhance their performance uh, these people think long term and it's the first thing i say to them i'm not here to give you a quick fix mm -hmm. like i can't change your life in the, in the next month but what i can do is i can change your outlook in the next month which will impact the next you know the next year um, that's a good way of looking at it yeah so like I can change your outlook on it which will impact the year but I can't change in a month yeah it, ta it takes years to change habits yeah um, I've been doing the same thing for years and it works uh, however you got, you got to think like for you as well you've been constantly perfecting your craft for let's just say five years with photography stuff and you, you still like get humbled yeah, you for sure. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there's still that odd occasion where you're like, oh, all right, okay. I need to improve that bit. Uh, that's the same as me. I look at people that I look up to. It's really important that you have role models because if you don't, it's like, well, where's the ceiling there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's that? Where's the, where's the top? Where's the pinnacle, the top of that mountain where I want to get to? It's probably him, but then you think, right, once I get to him, is there the next Someone stage? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think if you look in that, <clears throat> if you look in that way, then it's just, you know, it's a recipe for, um, success. To, su to, to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of performance, if I was to approach you, let's say I'm overweight, I, uh, I'm at 95 to hundred kilos. I'm overweight, not hugely overweight, but I'm overweight. Mm -hmm. And I was to come to you, what would be the first kind of tips that you would tell me to, to either cut out in my diet or, uh, you know, start eating more of what would be the kind of things you'd tell me? You know what? It's not actually, it's probably not even diet or anything like that. It's just, as I said, that outlook within that first month, it's like, right, when I do something, it needs to be, it has to have a positive outcome. Mm. So it's, I, I think action. So the first, you know, I say the first act, positive action has to be getting up on a Monday morning, you know, doing that thing, whatever that may be, going to the gym. Um, if you scale it back even more and take the gym out of it, it's like getting up and doing the right thing, like making your bed positive action like most of the people that are lacking in their life um let's just say overweight there's actually a huge missing piece somewhere else mm -hmm. so it's probably lack of respect for themselves um being too comfortable not getting out of the comfort zone these have n not really anything to do with me with the diet yeah or, with the yeah. diet that comes as a like a secondary issue so mm -hmm. i had Obviously, I'm not going to name him, but I had a guy that uh, joined me four months ago, something like that. 
and yeah, he was overweight. And I have changed his outlook. And the first thing I said to him was what I said to you previously, like 10 minutes ago. Um, I need to change your outlook in the first month of like your expectations. So you set the expectations, then it's like, whoa, I, you know, if you set the expectations at the start, then you can, how do I explain this? If you, if you set the expectations at the start, you can't fail because then you're like, where's the limit to these expectations? So for the first one for him was we need to implement healthy lifestyle, obviously. So the, this might look like you need to get out three times a week. So that went from not going to the gym to it for him, it might have been twice a week at the start. Yeah. Um, and it's his relationship with himself that he had to improve and it's taking small steps. So I said, by the end of the year, we need to do this. Not by the end of the month, by the end of the year. Um, but it's, it's small changes. It's hard for me because I've not been in that position. You know, I've not, I've never been overweight, so I find it really hard to relate. Yeah. But what I can do is I can help you achieve things that I'm good at. So, I'm, I'm very consistent. I've, I mean, touch wood. Um, but I wasn't off work for the last ten years until a couple months ago. I got food poisoning, and on that day, I was preaching about me yeah, not being, <laughs> not being off work. And then, lo and behold, that that night, I yeah. was in the bucket. <laughs> um. But yeah, I can change. I can change those habits by saying, right, consistency. For example, let's yep. improve consistency. Go to bed the same time every night. Um, I know it sounds like really boring and repetitive, but like, don't go on your phone. Right, re- like sleep, because obviously we're going to speak about sleep, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Like, so I think sleep's fascinating because people neglect it. However, it's the best form of recovery. It's free. <laughs> it like let's just reiterate, it is free. You don't have to pay for sleep. Yet people neglect it. Yeah, I find that like extraordinary. I think it's because people are so attached to their phones as well. And I think, especially by the way, this isn't a plug. This isn't paid. Garmin. But Garmin yeah. 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 I, over the last, I've been wearing this for, uh, I'm gonna say a week now. And if I, I did a live stream the other night on YouTube, and I had that light on, so an aperture light, big bright light, mm-hmm. and I went to sleep after it about nine, nine, ten p.m. I normally get up at six. And my sleep was so impacted by looking at a screen for an hour before bed and a bright light. People are doing that until 11, 12 at night and they're wondering oh. why they can't sleep. So funny you say that. So I have managed, I've, I really struggled with my sleep during my Ironman mm. uh, training in particular because it was like seven days a week of training. And I figured out I had to get the training done by latest 4 p.m. If it was any later, it would affect my sleep. So, that, mm-hmm. you know, you need to start finding what, like, suits you because it might not necessarily suit yeah. you, for example. What what works for me might not work for you. Uh, so that was one thing. The other thing was my wind-down routine. So for me, very similar to yourself, my head's going at 100 miles an hour. Mm. Like, I had training to think about. I had family to think about. and my girlfriend to think about. Like, that was a, probably a big one. Like, subconsciously, I was, like, you know, thinking, oh, it'll be okay. But I was training like 17 to 20 hours a week. I was working in person 40 hours a week. This is not like like preaching or blowing smoke at my arse. And, uh, you know, doing online programming, private business, 15 hours a week at least. Like, where's the time to interact with people there? Yeah. So luckily, like, she was in my corner. She, you know, she understood because she's in my industry. Yeah. I think that was so important, having the right person in your corner. So if we just go back, we have social interaction, all those things to think about. And then you think to yourself, 
you need to wind down. So for me, it was like 100 miles an hour, how can I respect my sleep? One of them was, like you, uh, the screen time. Yeah, so for me, for sure. I, I was like, no brainer, I'm not looking at my laptop an hour before I go to bed. Yeah. And an easy fix for me was, if anyone struggles with their sleep, I've been there because I struggled with it so much. And it was, I kept waking up during the night. So it wasn't being Sounds able, me. yeah, I just kept waking yeah. up during the night. And, and when I woke up, I was wide awake. It wasn't like, uh, it wasn't because I had a nightmare or anything. It was just, I was wide awake. I was like, this is really, and it was the same time every night, you know, like 2.05 or whatever. It was really weird. It's funny how your body works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but going back to the point that you asked, it was like, for me, an hour before bed, no laptop, nothing, but be in my bed. Yeah. So, you know, your brain is already decompressing. It's shutting down um, like your circadian rhythm. Um, you need to res- like obviously respect that. That's that's a key to sleep. Is um, your circadian rhythm get get used to the same bedtimes, um, etc. But then there's the other thing, which is alcohol. Um, that plays a huge factor in it as well. And that's horrendous. And, and that brings me on to the point: sobriety. Mm-hmm. Eight months. Um, nine now. Nine months. Nine. Have you, have uh, you... Coming to. 10 at the end of this month nice and how have you found this a sober side really easy really easy yeah yeah um there's not i'm really stubborn i've probably not (laughs) i know (laughs) (laughs) i'm a stubborn motherfucker (laughs) i do not once i make a decision even like everyone watching this or listening to this will probably be like nodding going yep you motherfucker yeah you will not change um i am i'm so stubborn but uh, yes, it can shoot me in the foot sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be my biggest uh, downfall, but it can also be my, you know, biggest thing that I can rely on to like consistency. Yeah. Um, I have had some probably some hard um, occasions where you have to turn down alcohol. Um, the biggest thing for me was the social social interaction or social situation. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest part. So that's what I. So I'm. I'm not sober, but mm. I'm. I, I'm. I'm going towards it at the moment. I'm. Mm. I'm. I'm kind of almost there. I think I've drank. I drank a New Year. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, I, I can't remember the last drink yeah, I've yeah. had. And it, it is that social thing though, because you're around your friends, especially like Scotland boys, Glasgow boys, and like Edinburgh boys. Mm-hmm. You, if you're not drinking and you're part of a group, it's why not? Why not drinking? Totally, and um, that's the hardest part. Mm. Like everyone I speak to, you know. Um, my clients, uh, the one I referred to, I reckon five others as well. Um, the reason why they're probably not making as much progress or were not making as much progress before uh, they introduced me into their life uh, to help them out was alcohol. Like that impacts so many different factors. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep. And if we want to if you want to delve deep into it like socially if you feel like you need to have a drink to have a good time and if you feel like you need to have a drink to socially connect with something mm. something is fundamentally wrong mm-hmm. like like that is not right yeah it's an anxiety Ima- Ima- imagine i came and was like came here today and was like sorry mate i'm just going for a pint before because i'm because ner- <laughs> i'm nervous yeah like something is fundamental you you making that relationship to alcohol mm. it that is so like that is just wrong. Mm. Um, but that's society for you. 
That is, it's the UK, which is pr- pretty awful for it. Scotland's one of the worst. Yeah. Um, and this, I just want to reiterate my point. I'm not against people that drink here. Mm. Like I am, I'm all for it. The one thing as society and as individuals we can improve is in moderation. Yeah. Everything yeah. in moderation. Like that can go as far to um, spending habits, everything in moderation. Like buy clothes for yourself, you know, go get a Chinese like it's not going to kill you. Yeah. If you have if you have a Chinese once a week, it's not going to kill you. Yeah. If you have a Chinese seven times a week, you're going to end up like that obese model that's modeling for Lululemon. <laughs> like what makes that okay? Yeah. yeah um. Yeah. It's it might come a, I might come across quite harsh there, but it's it's fact. Like yeah. And the UK have a <clears throat> problem with the UK as well is when they do drink. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! See when my pals drink. I mean, you'll know most of them. I was brutal for it. I mean, I'll, I'll put my hand up. I was a probably pretty good drinker. I've made some ser- like some serious mistakes. I'm okay saying that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've made some big mistakes. I probably learned. From, well, I have learned from them. Um, however, I think I've done my time. It's like going. I mean, it's like going to prison. I've never been. Um, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> never been, but I can probably assume it's like doing your time. And once you've done your time, it's like right. I've done that. It's like it nightclubs. Yeah. I, 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 I hate remember. nightclubs. Yeah. Well, you can't hear anyone. Oh, you, you get social anxiety, so you mm. need a cup in your mm. hand to mm. dance. <laughs> like, or like, you're like, oh, I've not got a drink in my hand. I'm going to look aw- awkward. Yeah. Like, why is that, why is that the connection that we have as humans? Mm. I find that honestly mad. Um, the, the interesting thing though, I, I used to have this uh, really badly actually. So I've always had quite bad anxiety <laughs> and um, I figured out pretty quick actually when I was like 18, 19 if I went to the gym uh, either in the morning or the afternoon my anxieties were stripped away I, I was clear I why was, was that? concise I believe that if we as people have excess energy and this, is, this might not be a fact but this is what I believe if we have excess energy that we haven't burned off it will accumulate somewhere else mm-hmm. uh, and actually there's facts around it mutating cells it, if you don't do exercise it can increase cancer risk mm-hmm. things like that and I believe I had so much excess energy that I hadn't burnt off that I wasn't clear and that that would give me some kind of social anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I figured out if I don't drink, uh, it keeps my exercise pattern good. So if I was to go to a social event and I hadn't exercised, I'd need a drink. Mm-hmm. If I was to go so- to a social event, but I had exercised before or I'd went a run, something like that, yeah. really simple, I was fine. What, um, how do you fill the void of not having alcohol in your life that's a great question for me it, what, what's like that gap filler yeah for, for me it was uh, it was i was very lucky and i fell into something that i like really love mm-hmm. and that i'm slightly obsessed about and i think so i have adhd that's, that's okay to be obsessed with something yeah <laughs> so i've got adhd so we and i think when you have a a, a neurodivergent brain like that you can hyper focus on certain things that yep. you care about but you, I mean, you, you knew me at school. I was a mm-hmm. fucking nightmare uh, because I didn't care. That's why I liked you. Yeah, <laughs> because I didn't care. Like, oh, let's go learn algebra. No. And then I get kicked out of class. But well, like, let's be honest. Have we used algebra now uh, no. to this day? No. Like, <laughs> no. That's, that teacher telling us, like, you need to learn algebra. I just turned and went, you can fucking get to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I feel like I was very lucky in the fact that I could hyper-focus on things. I found video and photography subsequently whenever uh especially when i was not in as much control of it 
people and my friends were drinking, I'd stay and edit because that's where I got my satisfaction. And also I woke up clear. That was the void. That was the void. That was the void. That was the void. I think, I I don't think I had a void. Mm. Um, I just, I actually, I never, the hardest bit for me was the day after. So the, the social stuff was never really an issue for me. I just drank because... It was done. Everyone else did it. You know, I didn't actually... When you look at it, do I enjoy having a pint? Probably not. You know, the first one's probably quite nice because it's cold. And But after that, you're thinking, oh, Christ. Yeah, you know, what is? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not loving it. Um, it's okay, Listen, this is, it's okay to go through these experiences. As we said, like you have to go through things like this to understand like where you are as a person, what you want out of life. Do you want to be that guy that does go to the pub every week during the week, drinks, starts drinking at 11 a.m.? Like in my head, I don't want, I didn't want to be that person. Um, however, it made the whole um, alcohol, like sobriety thing, that, that thing was really made easy for me because my training at the time. Mm. I was training seven days a week for my Ironman uh, from April 2023 to my Ironman in September 2023 and I think it made decision really easy because I didn't actually have the capacity to drink I, I could not not go out because I, I would have a half marathon to run the next day yeah yeah like like that's I mean that makes my decision really easy mm. because I'm a stubborn motherfucker <laughs> I would I, I you know I said to people like I'm not going out yeah. And then the other, I mean, the biggest thing for me is your friends. Mm. You are who you surround yourself with. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. see if your friends probe you and probe you and probe you, you think, am I, am I what am I getting out of this friendship? Mm. Like, are these actually my friends? If they're forcing, obviously no one, can, no one can force you to do anything, but they can obviously influence it massively. Or, you know, let's just use the word influence. Mm. When they're trying to influence you to drink, like, why like it's your own goals that you've got at heart here like i want to do as well as i can in the race or whatever it was and for you you want to do as well as you can in photography mm. i just see alcohol consistently having it with uh, with no moderation um i see that as a roadblock yeah and it kind of yeah that, that kind of resonates with me because uh when i had the goal photography videography wise I would be up at three in the morning driving to Glencoe. So I, I would be like to my friends, listen, I can't drink because I'm up at three in the morning. I can't be over the limit and I need to be sharp because these roads are dangerous. You, you need to be sharp. Yeah. You need to have no fog. Yeah. But also there's something so good about being up when no one's not. Oh, it's and, so good. And just like grafting away. Yeah. Um, no distractions. Yeah. I just think like for me, that's my like dopamine hit. Yeah. Like yeah. being up, grafting while everyone's asleep it's like satisfaction for me it's not having to prove to anyone else i'm working harder because effectively you're just changing your hours yeah so your hours might have been three in the morning till 12 um in the afternoon someone's hours might be nine till five yeah you've just shifted the goalposts yeah. massively to make it work for you and your uh, your industry your your profession uh, but interestingly enough bringing it back to sleep and diet if you flip your hours to get up earlier, you see in the hours of 9 p.m. until 12 p.m., you're on your phone, you're eating shit, or you're watching Netflix, mm. okay? So if you flip your hours to, let's say you get up at half five, six, which is normally in the what morning. I do, yeah. in the morning, 
all of a sudden, nine until uh, 12, you're asleep. You're not eating shit. You're not on your phone. You're not watching Netflix. And just progress a wee bit more. If you wake up at half five, six, there's nothing to look at on your phone. <laughs> yeah. Every, everyone's asleep, yeah. which is even better. Like I say to people, I did a podcast on this. So, um, you know, when I did my own podcast and we spoke about it as something that I want to take up again now that I've got more time, mm. we did an episode on... Um, introducing people to habits so what would i do to in winter months to help people go to the gym the first protocol i went to was make out like a positive action so remember we spoke about actions the first action i would take was go to and get the job done early in the morning that means nothing can influence you after that so say you have a shit day at work you know your boss is on at you or um, something comes up that might influence what you do after work or might influence your um, behavior after work. Let's just say a bad influence. That doesn't happen before you go to work. Yeah, and you've already and, done the task. And you've already done the task. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm getting? You know, so this early, you know, if you're an early bird, I truly believe like if everyone was an early bird, the, the world or people would be better because they would just get shit done and then leave time for you know i don't have kids but let's just say family the biggest thing i hear is oh, i don't have family time after work mm. like you've just freed up you know i coach um i coach a few people that i train in the morning and yeah it's like half six but every morning every tuesday and thursday i go to the same guy half six last two two three years i've been going to him and that means he's got time to give to his family, yep. to give to his work. And he's like, I've already done the thing that, you know, I had to do in the morning with Marcus. And then we can give full focus to everything else. Yeah. It's like you, you've done your photography, you've done everything. It's like, what, where can I shift my focus to yeah. for the rest of the day? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did a podcast about it. It's really interesting the way we work as, as humans. Like, why do we suddenly decide that we're a night person? <laughs> who, who decides that? Yeah. Like... I'm not um I'm not a night person, but I can work at night if you force me to. Mm. I'm a morning person because I force myself to get up because I know that once I get that job done, it's like a task tick done. Yeah. yeah, nothing can influence that before that. And it also builds your confidence. So if you get totally. that, that first task done, all of a sudden the rest fall into place. Yeah, totally. It's like a domino. Yeah, once you get one, the rest will just fall. Exactly, exactly. And what was it like? So you've got this. Uh, well, firstly, I know what an Ironman is, but explain mm -hmm. to people what an Ironman is for a second. Yeah, so this podcast is brought to you by Chisholm Hunter. Now, if it wasn't for Chisholm Hunter, we would not be sitting here today. Chisholm Hunter are a family-run jewelers that have been going for over 165 years. They have over 28 boutiques throughout the UK, and they specialize in luxury watches and jewelry. And in fact, the Garmin that I have on today is from Chisholm Hunter. However, they do stock with brands like Amiga, Tudor, uh, Pan, Vacheron Constantin, ton of other prestigious brands as well as smartwatches. And they do bespoke diamonds, bespoke rings, bespoke jewelry. So if you're looking for anything for yourself or a loved one, head to chismhunter.co.uk. That's chismhunter.co.uk. Um, at the start, I didn't, I knew what it was, but not the nitty gritty uh, figures. So um, an Ironman is three disciplines, all in one. Uh, normally it takes the average person 10 or 10 plus hours for the freaks of nature out there that are professional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he just did it in eight hours. Eight hours. Eight hours to run a marathon, cycle 180 kilometers and swim 3.8 kilometers. 
Um, so yeah, three disciplines. Uh, you start off with the first one, which is a 3.8 kilometer uh, swim. Yep. That can be in a lake, that can be in the sea. Um, for the Ironman races, it normally is in a lake or a sea. Mm. Then you uh, transition straight into a bike ride. Mm. The bike ride is 180 kilometers, so 111 miles, uh, if anyone's um, old school. Oh and then you transition straight into a marathon. So the marathon is 42.2 kilometer um, run. And it's not like, you can rest, but obviously there's time cutoffs. Um, I would just say it's probably one of the most challenging things you can do as a human being because it tests you mentally, physically. And yeah, it's, and when you finish it, it's honestly, yeah, totally. Like I, I've played in front of like 30,000 people, um, played at some cool stadiums like Murrayfield, St. James's Park. I've been lucky to go to New Zealand, get an opportunity there for rugby. I thought that that was me done as like, um, let's just say a sportsman or athlete. Um, that didn't work out for like, you know multiple reasons. So then I moved, I shifted my focus into my Ironman. Um, I thought that was going to be something like midlife crisis. <laughs> so I actually thought that's what old guys do. Um, and the general consensus is when I did my race, I looked around and I went, there's no one here my age. <laughs> um, so yeah, the general consensus is that like midlife crisis, you know, Ironman. Iron Man. Yeah. Um, however, I have, I, I actually thought it was going to be me when I was older because I can, sh- you know, shift to more endurance sports, mm. but I actually, and it goes back, you know, I thought, you know, just doing what your mates did or people like your friends, um, people that you respected maybe was doing, you know, the right thing, but that doesn't make it right for you. Yeah. So what I got um, great satisfaction from was Iron Man because I relied on no one else, you know. Um, and if you look at if you have a conversation with someone and you say I did an Iron Man, mm. it just has a different like oomph to it rather than <laughs> yeah. I benched a hundred kilos. <laughs> you know, genuinely like yeah. I look now and I think I don't care about how much I bench or squat. Mm. Because in 10 years' time, I don't want to look back and hold on to that thing yeah. as... I squatted 100 uh-huh. time. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'd rather go back and be like, I did an Ironman. Yeah. You know, um, I just think that has so much more substance to it than... than um, and that's not saying that... That's not belittling people that do stuff in the gym, you know, squat hundred kilos or whatever it is, or, you know, bench press, that's not blitzing that at all. Yeah. That's just not what satisfies me. Yeah. And, and everyone's unique. Everyone's unique. Like yeah. you, the person doing that will probably have the same mental battle or similar mental battle that I, that I did when I was doing my Ironman. Mm. That doesn't make it not okay. That is completely fine. But um, it's just not what satisfied me at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we're going to speak more about the Ironman. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, I've got so many questions. So Go for firstly, it. in terms of order, you swim, cycle, run. Mm-hmm. Okay. How cold was the water? Um, it can depend. So Ironmans normally start April time, um, like just coming at like springtime and they run the last few are um, October time. There's only one in the UK now, uh, full distance, and that's in Wales. So that's the one I did. Um, so the water is actually not that cold, but to be perfectly honest, I didn't care how cold the water is because you're that like adrenaline. Uh huh. Mm. Um, there's a video on my Instagram, and 
people couldn't care less about any other video that I put up as part of that like collage um, of videos. They only cared about the one which was like the outlook of the sea and the crowd singing the uh, the Welsh national anthem. Mm. Like I cannot tell you, I was stood there with my wetsuit on, um, a swim cap, and we're ready. You know, in like a pen, like like <laughs> fucking chickens, <laughs> ready to go and when that was singing, although it wasn't my national anthem, it just gave me goosebumps. So mm. it actually, the water didn't matter. The only thing that was pretty brutal was the smell of, like the taste of diesel when you, oh when you were swimming. And you know, when you go into a fishmonger and that smell of fish? Yeah. Yeah, like that. That was in the water too. <laughs> it, was, it was great, but it just made me swim faster. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, okay, right, that's interesting. So that's the first one. So the water's not actually that cold. Um, yeah. But and, it, and you've got a wetsuit on. Did it so. take a lot out of you? Like, see, when you... Because I think that people people think that swimming is easy, but actually 3.8K, did you say? Yeah, 3.8K. So the average person takes, I mean, what's average now? But the average person takes about one hour 10 to one hour 25. Mm. Um, I did it in one hour 14, I think it was. It's pretty good. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not, I wouldn't say, I mean, I swam at school. Mm. I mean, you'll remember. I swam at school, so did like city championships for school. So, but I was never, you know, if, if you asked me before my Ironman, Marcus, are you a good swimmer? Mm. I'd be like, yeah, I'm a good swimmer. <laughs> See when I started that training. No. Nope. If you asked me, Marcus, <laughs> are you a good swimmer? I'd be like, I am shit. <laughs> um, it made me good, but it's such a unique sport because you can't talk to anyone and you are just, excuse the pun, so in your lane. You're just in your own lane. Um, with running, it's very sociable you know cycling even you can chat it's a, mm. a social aspect swimming there's nothing social about it yeah um so yeah 3.8k it's a, over 150 odd lengths of a pool mm. uh, just to put that content yeah to put it into perspective yeah that's that's 152 wild. i think it is because i do i remember I, I used to go to david lloyd's gym back when i was like 17 18 i do like maybe four lengths and be like oh that was great that was, <laughs> i'm pretty knackered now 100, 150 yeah i mean at the start it was the one thing that i must say i was really nervous about swim yeah purely because i can run you tell me to do a marathon obviously not today because i'm just coming out the back of injury but yeah. let's just say today i probably could do it um and a bike yeah it's going to be long and a slog 180k but obviously we'll touch on it i could do that the swim before i was thinking mm, that's that's a long way that's a, that, that's a long time to be in the water yeah and that was do you think that was the sticking point you were like i know that i can do the cycle i know that i can probably do the run mm -hmm. But the swim is just something. Well, so yeah, the, you take the swim at the Ironman. I would have probably not had that scared element of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing with Sophia. So Sophia's just signed up to an Ironman. I've probably influenced her. Um, she is scared of swimming. She's scared of not scared of swimming. She's scared of the swim element of it because both of the other parts she's okay. So similar to me, I was. I. I think scared is actually a really good word to describe it. Mm. It, it. It makes you think, oh, can I do this? Yeah. Um, but that probably helps though. Exactly. So yeah. it's the one thing that I was like, when I progressed and swimmers probably looking at it thinking, yeah, mate, that's piss easy. Like, that's cool. But you've got three disciplines. That's the unique thing about an Ironman. It's not just one. Mm. You've got three to be average or above yeah. to be good at, um, to ha get a, a good time or... Um, 
so I do think swimming was one of those ones where it's just like it keeps you on the keeps you daunting. on edge. Yeah, it's yeah, daunting. It was daunting. And how did you so how did you train for the Ironman? You said you were training seven hours a day. Um, seventeen to twenty hours a week. So Jeez, it look, it would look like Monday would be a double session. Okay. So it'd be like a swim and a bike, so like a walk bike session, and then Tuesday would be like a running session, uh, like an intervals speed session. Then Wednesday would be bike and swim again. Thursday, rest. Friday, long swim. So that's when you start getting up the distance. Uh, Saturday, long bike. So that, that we built up to, um, before my Ironman, five and a half hours on the bike. But, you know, <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, but like, that's a long time. Mm. You know, no phone. Well, I deliberately didn't look at my phone. Um, I had it on me. But you can't look at your phone when you cycle. It's like, is it, yeah. you know, you can get away with it when you're driving, although you're not supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But see, when you're cycling, it's really yeah. bloody obvious you're on your phone yeah. uh, when you're outside. And then Sunday, you know, long run. So, and it, so the start of my week was actually a Friday, because mm. um, that was the day before my rest, the after my rest day. And you get one rest day a week. One rest day a week, and I did that for five months. <sighs> Jesus Christ! And didn't miss one session. <sighs> and take me through your diet. So. Diet, you can eat whatever you like. Well, because you're burning so many calories. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, so to put it into perspective, um, during the Ironman, I know it's probably not accurate. So everyone that's into the fitness industry, in the fitness industry, you know, um, looking uh, or listening to this podcast. However, it's quite a good indicator. I'm very yeah. much of use the same tracking method. So it's consistent at least. So I just kept this Garmin. That's what I took my sleep off of, sleep off of my weight. Uh, sorry, my uh, HRV, my, uh, as you said, calories burned or steps. Yeah. So um, during my Ironman, I burned 8,500 calories. It's pretty good going, eh? That's pretty mental. Yeah, it's pretty good going. I, I mean, I got back to the hotel room after my Ironman, um, and I looked like a shell of a human. Yeah, just skin and bone. Oh, I look brutal. I bet you it was just dehydration just, as well. Oh, totally. So yeah. the, the one unique thing, the one the one thing I didn't actually do well at, which I kind of kicked myself in the foot, I didn't drink enough fluid. Yeah. So my nutrition was on point, but my uh, fluid was pretty poor. Mm. So, I, you know, you always think you're drinking enough, but because there's no break with an Ironman, you have to drink way more than you think. Yeah. And you need to replenish what you're losing. Because on the day, when you swim, you sweat. Uh, when, you know, when you're on the bike, you've got the drafts. So you don't actually feel you sweating that much until you stop. It's like when you stop and you're sweating, then you get cold. Mm. You, know, you don't realise until you stop. Um, it was really hot in Wales. It's one of the hottest days they've had for Ironman in the last few years. It's 25 degrees. So, oh I mean, there was people in the gardens um, spraying their hoses at us when we were doing the marathon because it was so hot. Um, I bet you love that. <laughs> I didn't love the marathon. And, yeah. like, you have to go, th- you know, I had, you know, you ha- your nutrition has to be on point. It's not just, it has to be a plan in place. So, um, I'm doing two more Ironmans this year. So, the one thing I have to nail this year is the nutrition. And how do you nail that in terms of your... There's a few things. Is it, do you count calories or is it more kind of like proteins and um, The big thing with nailing nutrition is obviously a few days, the week before, start loading carbs because, I mean, carbs, get, carbs is fuel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to make it so scientific and boring, but mm-hmm. carbs is your source of fuel, um, your source of energy. So start like loading that the week before. 
Um, I did do that pretty well, I would say. Um, sleep on point, etc. But if we're just talking nutrition here, um, during the race, it's making sure that you agree with certain things. So I actually overate on the bike. Probably not a bad thing to do because mm. it's a way I find it harder to eat while I'm running than uh, to eat while you're on a bike. While you're on a so, bike, when I say eating, like gels, so you know, so you know the wee sachets. Right, okay, so you, so I was going to say, because I was I was imagining you it was quite tough eating a burger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was quite tough. So yeah. um, it was like sachets with carbs in it. So li- suck, liquid suck carbs. You, yeah, it's like a frub. Right. And, and uh, it's like small rules. You can't chuck the wrapper away or else you get disqualified. Right. So you need to well, it's it like it's, it's small yeah. stuff but it adds up so like I had a, like a tri suit on which is a really tight like it's a mankini that goes over yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. so I mean like this thing is tight it's not, <laughs> it's not moving yeah. like nothing's getting in um, so I would have my gel I figured out like a little routine and I probably should have done it before but I kind of I worked on, on my feet while I was doing it I let, like a little system I had gels in my right leg kind of short mm. so it's like really tight short so they would not fall out so i had my gels that i didn't have yet in my right mm-hmm. when i had them i put them in my left okay so you knew exactly what i knew exactly yeah. and I, I knew by counting like it's like you have to every 20 minutes you have to have a yeah. gel um i had over 15 20 gels i think it was so you can imagine fake carbs or fake food going into your system i hadn't had that much before so it really upset my stomach should we say yeah 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 on the second on the second loop of the marathon uh, yeah it got me good but (laughs) let's not not touch on that too much no for sure have you heard the story about david goggins yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) um i've got a question that i I kind of want to ask you it's a bit more personal but from school from knowing you in school Mm -hmm. to growing up with you Mm -hmm. Uh, you always seemed a very determined and, as you said, stubborn as shit person. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that you were driven to su- succeed in something or do you think that you were dragged by something that's happened in the past? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's a mixture of both. Mm. So I think because, I mean, you know, you can go into personal stuff here, but uh, I... I do think there's it's a mixture of half. So let's go with the first one. I think that I've been dri- I'm so driven to success now because of what's happened in the past, um, and I just think my stubbornness has led me to that. So, in terms of competition wise, I'm very much tunnel vision. So, you know, if I set out to achieve something, it's not actually the failure comes. I take it really personally because I'm like, it's not, it doesn't come from insecurity, but what it comes from is I don't want to let anyone else down. So I documented my journey with my Iron Man from day one. I didn't set out to achieve a time, but in my head, obviously I had a little, I had a time, an yeah. idea of what I wanted to complete it in. Um, there was no chance I wasn't finishing that Iron Man. Um, all my mates that were closer to me said like, you'll complete it. It's just how you're going to complete it, etc." cetera. Um, I think that that's it's really it's a really tough question to answer but i genuinely think there's stuff probably before in life that's made me so driven to succeed so um i've not seen my dad in 15 years uh so i think that's a long you know not having that male relationship has definitely impacted me big time 
And I was thinking about this on the train over. Um, I don't really talk about personal stuff that much. And that's not because I'm embarrassed. Um, probably a younger Marcus was scared to go into that because I'm not as open and willing to talk about it. As males, we don't talk. That's yeah. the, you know, that's the one thing. So I think not, ha- you know, not having that male to uh, to look up to is is really important to me. So I want to be a good role model for my family. So my mum and my two sisters, and also my girlfriend at the moment. Um, she's looked up to me, and you know she's probably done an Ironman off the back of what I did. Um, my sisters, it's really important that they have that male role model that they can look up to and. We go back to the first thing, like consistency. Mm. Like I am that consistent. Like I'm a, I'm like a rock. I won't move for them. So if they do need the do need help, I'm there. Mm. Um. So if we're talking about competition wise, it's like my brother did this. Mm. Like you know he's achieved this against probably some odds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've come back from injury, um, and I'm so determined that nothing can get in my way. So yeah, probably personal side. It's like going into something like that um you could probably challenge me a bit more on that no no no. it sounds it sounds to me um the 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 consistency aspect is maybe something you didn't have as a kid yeah totally i think um the big thing for me was constant changing Mm -hmm. so on the way up here um i was pointing to sophia um the different places i had lived in the west end and she said chris you've you've moved a lot and i went yeah, it's fascinating because this question ties in beautifully to what I was thinking on the way up. So mm. she was, you know, probing me, well, not probing, uh, questioning me, like, where have you lived? And, you know, I just said, I've lived in four different places in the West End. And that was all before the age of um, 13 or 14. So I'd moved four times, which has changed, as you said, lack of consistency. Mm. Um, and then we got onto the topic of I've moved 13 to 14 times in my life. I'm 26 now, um, and it's the first time in a long time that I've not moved um, quickly. So I think consistency is huge for me. Mm-hmm. I think I try to portray that as I want to be that guy or that person that people can come to because they know I'm consistent. Mm-hmm. Like when I was, let, let's just use Glen Eagles as an example. So the last place I worked, I was never late for work. So people can rely on me. Marcus will always be on time. You'll never be a minute late. You'll always be on time. Um, I'll always, you know, turn up and give 100%. You know, consistency and output. Consistency and, you know, it, it goes so much deeper than that. Mm. Um, but you're right. I think it was probably good for you to probe to me or question mm. me on that because I probably wouldn't have told you that. But, but yeah, I think that this is a question that quite a lot of hyper-driven, uh, hyper-successful people have. <clears throat> and that's what leads them to succeed and also have a, a, a deeper level of um, stubbornness mm-hmm. shall we say mm-hmm. if you for, just for an example uh, my dad he, entrepreneur mm-hmm. uh, amazing incredible smart man at what he does building a business but it's because he was brought up in poverty mm-hmm. and he wanted to uh, replace that poverty with something that he never had so he, so he, so he worked his way up in business and it's kind of the same thing with you you know you, you never had consistency as a kid yeah. you moved you know x amount of times so maybe you want to give your family that consistency that you never had yeah totally and I, you know as I, I was speaking to my mum about this I think the consistency now is you can rely on Marcus that is the general consensus you can rely, rely on me because I'll consistently turn up I'll, 
and it goes back to what we spoke about right at the start of the podcast consistency habits mm. like these all contribute you know there's a reason why you're so consistent as a human being there's a reason why you want to get up at 3am because maybe you want to not prove to someone or you have that um old harrison that you're like i don't want to be like that i want mm. to be this new version of me because this is actually who i want to be instead of pretending that i'm someone else mm-hmm. mm. um so yeah i uh, i generally think that previous it is a thing previous circumstances or previous um experiences definitely uh, lead to your future choices for sure for sure but but also the, the, you can flip them both ways so it, you know if you've had uh, say, say, say uh, you've not had consistency in your childhood a lot of people would turn to alcohol i'll numb it or they'll turn to drugs mm-hmm. i'll numb it but mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing how you've not um, done that yeah i mean i'm very much I hate relying on people so I'll never really ask you for help and people go oh that's really bad like yes it is probably quite bad but mm. um, I always used to deal with my emotions by myself so to deal with my emotions by myself like and this isn't a um, macho male outlook even though it might come across like that but I can't remember the last time I cried mm. um, and that isn't me hiding my emotions I'm just not one to express my emotions and for me to not express my emotions, I deal with it differently to other people. So um, a lot of people cry to express their emotions. For me, I go quiet. I'm uh, very internalized. I hold it. Uh, I take it really deep. But for me to deal with that, I will go for a walk with the dog. I will just um, exclude myself from the situation. And that's how I deal with it. It might not be the best way to deal with it, but that's how I deal with it. And I know that it works. So... um, I, yeah, I the the best way I deal with things is excluding myself and knowing that that's how I um, deal with it. I think it, you could go down a rabbit rabbit hole here, and if you put that amount of pressure on yourself and you don't look for help, mm. which I is the one thing that I've got better at over the last year, and it's probably why I'm a more rounded individual now. I do express cons- concerns, frustrations um, to Sophia to that person that because she gets me yeah and I don't think I had that person that got me before truthfully I actually my mum would never get me because of let's just say what I've been through it's not exactly a hardship what I've been through but it's not exactly easy either uh, easy either um my immediate family I mean I don't see any of my dad's side of the family and haven't done for 15 years um it's just my mum my two sisters and my nana that's it um, I, I mean, I think that's that close knit. Um, I, you know, people go, oh, I'm off to go see my uncle. I'm like, I don't, I can't relate. Yeah. I, I don't have that relation there. Mm. Um, I just, I think I just stay in my own lane and be like, well, I've just got my little family. I don't compare because everyone's different. Um, I just think to, it's a, it's a dangerous place when you compare because if you compare, then no, no one's situation is the same. But you can definitely learn from other situations. So I, it's one thing that I'm more open to now than I was before. Yeah. I'm going to totally land you in it here. But do you, think, you're, do you think your girlfriend's really helped in terms of 100%. the emotional side of things? 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, she'll, she just understands me. Yeah. Um, and this isn't me. Um, what's the word? This isn't me like opening up. This is just how it is. Like yeah. she definitely has helped me. Um, not... I would say become a better person because uh, she gets me. 
she gets me. So when I say something, she'll understand the situation. Um, if I said it to, I, because there's a big age gap between me and my sisters, I mean, the, the conversation's not the same. Yeah, it's not as deep. Yeah, yeah. like like I wouldn't go to my 18, 19 year old sister for help. Yeah. Yeah. It should be the other way around. And that's, that, that is fact. It should be her coming to you. That's the way I look at it. And I wouldn't go to my 15 year old sister for help. That's why I probably dealt with things by myself. Mm. Um, and if we relate it back to stuff, or sorry, um, events like my Iron Man, it was like, this is my chance to deal with this by myself. Mm. So do like the race is all on me. I've not got anyone else to lean on. So this is a true test of character. Yep. I'm in this for probably 12, 13 hours. I can't rely on anyone else, but not that I wanted to. Um, and it's just like tunnel vision. Like this is all in me. If this goes to shit, yeah. I've only got myself to look at. Because um, I've played team sports since I was a kid. I think that I probably, I was very hard on myself because I made it all about me, not in a selfish aspect, but if I made a mistake, all my fault. Yeah. You know, um, if I didn't do something up to standard, all my fault. But in the grand scheme of things, it was, let's just say rugby, there's 15 people in the field. It was 15 people's fault. It was not just yeah. your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. with, an, like, for example, an Ironman, an ultramarathon, which just you, it's, you, it's your body, it's your legs. Mm. It's just you. That's yeah. all you can look at, um, which I quite like. Yeah, you know, yeah that's sure. quite like. What impact do you think uh, mental health has in, in, in sport with that regards? Do you think that when I go to the gym, I feel great? Mm-hmm after it and that's just you know uh what happens when you go to the gym you kind of endorphins are released in your brain so on and so forth do, do you think that going to a pt like yourself mm-hmm. it fundamentally just ups the scale of of happiness in an individual because they are getting that exercise i'd like to hope so i mean i help people not just in the gym but in life i'd mm. be not i wouldn't be doing my job if i didn't help them in life too yeah because i'm changing their habits their out their outcome of certain things for the bit for the better um i, I want to touch on it I, i'm intrigued to hear what you think i think there is a huge difference between having a bad day and bad mental health uh yeah i'm so with you i think well i think i think people get confused with i think people will quickly jump on the I'm mentally bad rather than just saying I've had a bad day. I, I think social media adds to that 100%. Totally. I think that... It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to have a bad day. But also you need to, you need to think about your, your mood as like weather, right? You get clouds that come in and they totally. roll in and yeah, you feel shit. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. Uh, I, I think that there's there's genuine people out there that have an imbalance in their brain. And we talked to a guy called Brian Costello. He's a, a therapist. Mm-hmm. And he said, listen, there, there's people out there, uh, but the percentage of people comparison to whose prescribed medication is tiny he said that people that genuinely have that imbalance uh, the proportion is tiny whereas so many people for a quick fix and this is something that relates to fitness so many people for a quick fix will get medication instead of being like oh uh, perhaps i should exercise or perhaps i should get a better diet or or, you know perhaps i should go for a walk they just prescribe themselves medication which are perhaps sticking plasters for the overlying or underlying issue? The best way to think about it, is the medication going to solve the problem? No. Is it a mask? 
it's a total mask. Yeah. I think, well, there's there's some people, it's complicated because there, there, there's... I think, I think the medication definitely gives you a head start. It I gives mean, you a head start, but it also, it also let, let's say you're in such a horrible place mentally that you can't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. The medication will give you that jump start to perhaps go to the gym and then get into that routine and then stop the medication. Problem is when people rely on it. And they okay, keep yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah. like, it's the the mindset shift from saying, I think as people, we fall into the trap of thinking medication is the is the, the be all and end all. It's mm. as in, once I take that, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Well, it's instant gratification, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it's like, I'm going to swallow this and I'm going to wake up a different person. Mm. That's not the case. I mean, we can go back and talk about, like, what has led you to become the play to become or to get to the place that where you are now, which is bad. You know, let's just say it's a, uh, you've got bad mental health. What has led you to become bad um, or poor mentally? Um, you need to work. I always think I always work uh, backwards. So I never th I never work forwards. I always look back and be like, right, let's start um, at the back and work our way. Um, Unravel it. Yeah, and um, because it's never really the first thing. It's always the thing that's um, ending. That's the main thing. So. Um, I, th I honestly, I I think social media has been horrible for la the last three to five years. It's been like brutal. It's a really good word to describe it mm. because people have jumped on the 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 bandwagon, as you said. Um, there's a big difference between having a bad day and bad or poor mental health. Yeah, like I have bad days. Mm. But what do I do to fix those bad days or solve them or make sure the next day is better and make sure I get good sleep and make sure I don't rely on alcohol to make that instant numb it. to numb the pain, instant yeah. gratification. Oh, I'll have that and then I'll, you know, I'll be fine. But that has so many side effects. Yeah. Um, like cortisol in the brain, for example. It's you know, alcohol actually releases it. I was into a podcast um, with Andy Frazella. Not sure if you're um, aware of him, and he was just talking about the the impact of alcohol, and it's just it's crazy. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of people resort to that um, as a numb, as a as yeah. a as a numbing. And if we, t you know, I've been in the place where I've had people in my close family where they've been on medication, if you know, for a, you know, for bad mental health, or, but it's not a bad day. There's a big difference. Yeah, there's a big big difference there. Um, but it's it's trying to take action and be like, let's use that because that's fifty percent of the problem solved. You've still got fifty percent of the problem to solve. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think I think mental. I, I think it's just so related to if you if you think back to when we were like caveman hunter gatherers. Okay, we had a brilliant diet. We hunted and we were very social. Mm -hmm. Social media has ironically stripped the social side of things away. Takeaways destroyed your diet and a lot of the stuff that people eat now, McDonald's, fast food, shite. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of people don't exercise because they're too comfortable. So you've, you're stripping away all the basics of a human I person. Think, uh, I think if you actually look at small things, like a good point we, like, we can speak about is fast food. Mm. It's so affordable. So why wouldn't people, like, if I was in that place of being comfortable, I would probably resort to fast food too. Yeah. It's cheap. Mm -hmm. It's fast. Mm. It says it on the tin. You know, why wouldn't I get a McDonald's burger if I wasn't, you know, obviously in the position I am uh, where I care about, the, you know, not 
yeah, probably I do I do care about the way I look because I don't want to be overweight. Um, however, I'm not obsessed. Mm. Um, but yeah, wh- why wouldn't people go for quick, easy fixes? It's that instant gratification, as as you said, and it's only going to get worse. But I think that, that that's where the companies that are selling said fast food need to take action in terms of, okay, fair enough, once in a blue moon you get a pizza, whatever, right? Completely fine. Yeah, completely fine. Okay, once in a blue moon you have it, great. You see if McDonald's put on the wrappers, by the way, you eat this seven times a week, you're more likely to have a stroke, you're more likely to have uh, a heart attack. It's like cigarettes, isn't it? Exactly. They put horrendous photos on the packaging, which don't get me wrong, like... uh, it's probably the government that do that, yeah. not the companies, because the companies definitely wouldn't do that. No. Um, however, just looking at that photo of a lung that's black, it's not, it's not exactly good, is it? I yeah. mean, you, you, you look at it and you're like, but the people that it's not going to put off are the ones that have been doing it for years. Yeah. But the, one, you, the ones that it's going to put off are the ones that are at the entry level stage. But that's exactly where that, you want to start. And that's, where, and that's, uh, that, yeah. that's the most important stage. Yeah. But you don't actually care about the ones that have been doing it for 30 years, because if you actually take it out of their di- out of their life or their lifestyle, it'll have a, probably a more detrimental effect. For sure. For it's, sure. Like, it's like, t- you know, if you stop, goes from 30, sec- 30 cigarettes a day to zero, that's going to impact you massively. Yeah. That nicotine rush, the, you know, that is going to impact you massively. So it's not them you want to stop. As you said, it's the people going in at the entry level. They're the people you need. we need to focus on as, yeah. uh, you know, as... Um, they're the people we need to focus on. There was an interesting stat about Domino's and the Domino's pizza box costs more than the actual pizza. Because how <laughs> wild is that? Because they mass, they bulk buy their ingredients to the, such a huge extent and then freeze them that the boxes, the cardboard boxes cost more than the pizza. And I bet you, right, see if you put on the, the box to a Domino's pizza causes, uh, it will cause, you know, let's say, it increase your risk of heart attack. It will increase your risk of blood clots. It adds tons of saturated fats to your system. If you put that all in the box, I guarantee you it would repel people from it. Yeah, I mean, that's I've never heard that stat. It's, that's crazy. It is horrific. I remember my dad telling me it, and I was like, oh, bullshit. Nah, nah. And I, I looked it up and was like, oh my God. And then he went back and went, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> shit, that is right. But it's, it's, it's horrendous. And I think it's a lot of it's the education part as well. If people <clears throat> aren't educated to what good food looks like, then how will they know that they're making a bad decision? Well, to totally. Uh, yeah, it's education. And yeah. um, it just comes into choices. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, the choices that I have with food, it's so balanced. And um, I say to most of, nearly all of my clients, just focus on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Focus on sorting either, like, the facet of your life, so, like, gym first. And it, 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 sort that out. Then focus on nutrition. If you try and juggle everything everything mm. it's like a recipe for disaster and that's where most people fail um but yeah i i wouldn't it's like one part at a time but going back to your point about the let's deter people from having the food if it was visually you know yeah on the box for example domino's box i'm all for that yeah because it's just it comes down to choices that are for people that just don't have the education around it. Yeah. Like people are not doing it deliberately. They're just doing it because they think it's okay. They're not actually, ed- if you ask most people what, what has most calories in it, the sauce or the pizza, you know that garlic sauce it comes with? It's, that's the th- that has got so many calories in it. A big <laughs> tub of it. That's great as well. Yeah, it tastes, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it tastes good. Yeah. Um, however, people are just not educated on it. 
yeah. People yeah, not educated sure. on that. And I, and I say to people, you know, my fitness pal, the app. Yeah. I said, you don't want to be that guy in 10 years time or whatever, five years time that says, sorry, mate, um, let me just fill in my, my uh, fitness pal when I'm at a dinner table. You mm. do not want to be that guy. Yeah. But what I use it to educate. So, so indirectly, I don't have to educate the person. So I say to them, let's get used to just putting stuff in mm. for the first month. And then from there, you know the value of an egg. You know the value of the pizza. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize that much was it. That many calories were in that. Yeah, so they're teaching themselves. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And um, it's not, I say to all my clients, I don't want you to be a yes man. Mm. I don't want you to just nod and just take all of this in. I want you to understand why we're doing something. I want me, this process is not, not about me telling you what to do. It's about me educating you what to do. Mm. No, for sure. And I think that, yeah, teaching them, the value of, of, of what they put in their body uh, is for sure a oh, totally. big, it's like a hack, isn't mm. it? Because it, it makes your job easier because all of a sudden they get fitter because they're eating less shit. Yeah, um, but that's not normally most of the problem as we spoke about. It's, there's other facets to that. Like, it's just the ha- like habits. Like, why would you resort to that um, unhealthy food? Mm. It's because it's quick. It's because it's easy. Um, it's probably because their you know, time management's poor, so they want to get something into gratification. So yeah. it, goes, it goes back to quick, easy fix rather than, right, if I get up half an hour earlier or if I lengthen my day, I have more time to uh, cook, more time you know, to go to the shops to get the ingredients that, like, I know it sounds really basic, but these are the problems people struggle with. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's actually planning in their head or oh, not going to that... Um, let's use the pizza not going to that straight away for my um source of food it's like right how can i plan my day to make sure my choices are better mm-hmm. but it comes before that doesn't it yeah for sure what was your <laughs> this is a funny one social media influencer pts are just huge mm-hmm. now what are your opinions on people that are giving dietary and uh, personal training advice that aren't qualified um, most of them I mean I'm not qualified to give nutritional advice mm. um, by the by the book I'm not actually qualified to give it I can advise on it which I do I advise I don't specialise in nutrition but what I specialise in is uh, pre-race fuel so what to have building up to race during and after um, how to manipulate your nutrition in order to increase performance mm. so I advise on that I don't tell you what to do but I will as I said, advice. Yeah. That's all I can do. I've not got a nutritional um, certificate or um, I've not got that to um, use, for example, officially. What, what would be your advice? So see, <clears throat> being me, right? I'm trying to gain weight. I've always struggled mm-hmm. with weight. And I think it's because I do I do exercise quite a lot. I do an hour a day every day because I know that that strips anxiety well, away. Well, it's the benefits of it. It's not, yeah. it's not probably the exercise that does it for you. Well, it is, but it's the effects of the what it brings to you yeah yeah that's why you do it yeah for sure for sure uh what would be your advice for me to gain weight as uh, what would be my your dietary um, kind of advice yeah to, i mean it sounds really simple but to eat to eat more yeah, yeah no not a lot just to eat more and more balance so i guarantee you probably eat three meals a day you might yep. skip breakfast or i might have a shake for breakfast it's like to bulk bulk your foods and think right instead of thinking three meals a day it might look like five smaller meals a day mm-hmm. so it might look like a protein shake for breakfast you train you come back eggs on toast then you've got your uh, lunch then a snack between your lunch and dinner 
Mm. So, so you're you're breaking it up into I'm breaking it into small segments. Right. Okay. Instead of just Rather having big yeah every totally. day. And what's the difference between small segments and having one big meal? I think with one big meal you're limited. Um, ah. I think if you break it up into five little chunks, uh, you can pick and choose what you have. So. Um, I always have snacks when I can. So, mm. for example, like a protein yogurt, um, I would always have that as a filler. I call it like a, a gap filler. Mm. I'd always have protein in the morning because I know the the benefit protein brings to me, uh, increased muscle mass, uh, increased strength, um, recovery, which is the main thing um, for protein. People don't actually know why they take protein. They just take it because everyone else takes it. Yeah. However, it does have huge benefits. So carry on taking it. Yeah. Um, However, I would start, um, it's like a, you want to get, you want to bank that day early. So you want to bank as much as you can early on the day. So you're not chasing at the end of the day. So that's okay. why, that's why I go for the five mindset rather right. than the three. So if I have three, but I have, um, nothing in my breakfast of value, it's just shite. Mm. Then I'm chasing with two meals to go. I'm like, oh my God, I've got to make up such and such with two meals to go. Right. Okay. That's interesting. So you're splitting if, it. So that if that easier. makes sense. Yeah. A hundred percent. No, it totally does. No, it, to it totally does. I'm just thinking of what I have for breakfast. So I normally have like porridge, banana, I'm honey, judge, you know. peanut butter. Yeah. I'm thinking I'll just switch to no, eggs. That's good. No, that's good. So yeah. yeah, you start with, you start with your porridge um, just make sure you've got a source of protein in it. So like a lot of people put a scoop of um, like protein powder in it and mix it. Um, you get your healthy fat. So like your nuts and um, banana in it, you get your honey whatever you know you got your berries antioxidants it's just balance isn't it like i'm just you're building a bowl full of balance rather than a bowl of just one thing um and then you go into your second meal mm. so that's relatively small meal for you a porridge bowl of porridge then your next one would be eggs on toast with avocado yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and salmon there's a there's a uh, this is kind of bringing it back a little bit but i know that we were talking about you know putting horrendous ads on Domino's pizzas mm -hmm, boxes mm -hmm. and stuff like that what, vaping has just uh, dominated everywhere I see now there's a kid vaping this highlighter colored thing uh, what are your opinions on it um it's a hard one because the amount of people that are vaping or have probably uh, the older gen, so when I say the older generation, so anyone 20 and above have, has probably smoked before and now they're vaping because you can. they can do it in clubs, mm -hmm. they can do it in pubs, they can do it in restaurants without getting caught. At home, your it's, parents can't catch exactly, you. Exactly, and it's harder to smoke mm -hmm. in all the places I've just said. Um, for the younger generation, they're doing it as um, the, it's a substitute for alcohol now, I would say. That's scary. Yeah, it's a substitute for alcohol, I would say now, which is it's really scary because it's so accessible. And also we don't know the, ben the benefits, Jesus, well, no. We don't know the um, the negatives associated with vaping. Like, yeah. no one truly knows. You can't put a pin in it because everything's different. A cigarette's a cigarette. Yeah. I mean, it has tobacco in it. Um, I think vaping, it's so hard because, well, obviously now you can, you have to vape if you're a part of a company, you have to vape like you smoke. Yeah. So you have to ex like go outside the premises just to vape. I know a lot of people that vape in public places. The toilet. Yeah, totally. Or yeah. just when they're walking because you can hide the smoke. You don't have to blow it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with smoking in the UK, it's really hard to do. Yeah. But yeah, vaping, it's because it's cheap. 
So yeah. it's cheaper than buying like a cigarettes. Cigarettes. I bought cigarettes. You'll laugh. I bought cigarettes for someone, a bag of tobacco for someone's secret Santa, right? <laughs> okay. And it was twenty-two quid for a bag of tobacco. Jeez, and I'm what just was like, it? Four, four pounds? Five yeah, pounds? four five. Let's just say four or five quid. And yeah, you know, it's you know, you can get in with a fake ID now, like like I, I mean, like everyone did. Oh, we did fake in school. I, yeah, <laughs> right. But it's a fact that you can just do as many as you can. Yeah. With smoking, there's a moderation of, you know. You've only got so much cigarette. Exactly. With the, with the vape, it's, you might have 300 puffs, 200 puffs there, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's the fact that it's just so accessible. I'd say. It's scary. I think the net, so there's obviously, I think that the carcinogens that are in cigarettes that cause cancer, that, 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 that cause the, the terrible stuff. And I've listened to an Andrew Huberman podcast on this. It's not the nicotine, it's the inhalation method. Uh, you are burning stuff, you're causing carcinogens, you're inhaling them into your lungs. It causes cancer point blank. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Vaping in essence, you're heating up liquid that you don't actually know what's in it. Mm -hmm. And it has huge amounts of nicotine. And there's no tap on how uh, much you can take at one time because you can just keep going. I, th I think that it's probably better for you to smoke it because you're not burning something and perhaps there's not as many carcinogens. However, I think the net negative is going to be larger because people are vaping so much more than cigarettes. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just, you know what I really struggle with? I, I can stop something like that. Hmm. Like I don't, you know, I can stop drinking like that. I'm just so stubborn. So I... I find it really hard to relate with people that can't just say no. They have an addi like, addictive like, personality. Yeah. I have an ad addictive personality to like adrenaline. I chase adrenaline. Mm -hmm. I, I like that feeling of being under pressure, being against the, against the grain. That's my source. The thing I struggle with or the thing that I know those people struggle with, they haven't found that. They haven't found their what, like their, their why. why. That they, is they, so interesting. So they, so they just relate to the like the quick fix. It's not even a fix, is it? Mm. It's just they don't they don't know their um, purpose. Yeah, it's a really good word to describe it. They don't, and you don't want to get too deep with stuff like twelve year olds. I didn't. I mean, I wanted to be probably Scooby Doo when I was twelve. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're talking about eighteen year old, nineteen year olds here that they they genuinely do not know their purpose. Um, so they'll probably go into that. Quick fix. Drinking culture, like vaping culture, um, it comes with maturity, hundred percent. Like these, like I have changed so much from the Marcus that went to New Zealand straight after school. And we're, t I mean, I was talking about it on the train here. Like I have changed, but my morals haven't changed. Mm -hmm. I still like, I still like to think I'm a good person. I'm still very consistent. I, everything I do, I do with purpose. I just, it's like, um. I will complete. I will never leave something half done. Um, it doesn't sit easy with me that I can just walk away if it's half done. I like to complete it. Mm. Those people that we're talking about, the people that don't know their purpose, they're the people that we need to be really careful of because they'll just keep going until um, until it gets them. Yeah, I was just thinking about it, re reflecting on what I've kind of done. That you know, when I first started to stop drinking alcohol and to stop just going out and being an idiot pretty much was when I found my why, so to speak. Yeah. So I found photography and video mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I had something that I really enjoyed. It gave me genuine enjoyment instead of this 
chemical that you're inhaling that could yeah. give you the perception of joy for a while mm-hmm. uh, and i think you're so right i think people need to find their their why and their how and for some people that is as simple as climbing a mineral totally and i think that's a big thing recently like you'll see a lot of people on tiktok instagram climbing mountains mm. um, and Monroe's, as you said because that's they found their how greater value to life like that's yeah. their that's their why um my why is I need to pause you one last, I promise, I promise this is the last time. I I swear to God. But I need to ask you a really quick favor. If you have ever taken any value in these podcasts, if you've ever enjoyed these podcasts, if you could hit that like, subscribe button, five-star button, whatever it is, wherever you are, I would really, really appreciate it. It helps more than you can possibly fathom. And honestly, it would just mean the world to me. Thank you doing stuff that is mentally challenging so like Ironman's 250 kilometer ultra marathons like I get like so much compassion or so much like I get such a buzz from doing stuff like that because it's everything that I have probably set out to achieve yeah um, and the bar is going to keep getting higher that's the exactly thing. that's the da- that's the danger yeah I said like I'm still not done so yeah. I already know what I'm going to do in 2025 and that's not like oh I want you to question me. Like I'm not obviously going to tell anyone because yeah. I don't want someone stealing my idea. <laughs> um, yeah. However, I already know what I'm doing, and the bar just keeps going up. It keeps going yeah. up. It keeps, and it's um, the bar has been re- re- uh, has been raised this year to two Ironman, and I want to obviously get a better time. I've set the benchmark. Now it's like as you said pre-podcast. It's like what's the bar now? Is it time? Yeah, yeah it's is time. It, is that going to get dangerous? Potentially. Because I'll never be, um, uh, what's the word? Satisfied. I'll never be satisfied with, but I think there's a, there is, there's also, if you flip on its head, there's also a danger of being too satisfied. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there's a, there's, a, there's a middle ground there. You've got to not be comfortable, but at the same time, know where your level's at and find, I think once I get to that ceiling, mm. I'll find something else that might challenge me a bit more or, once I get to that ceiling, I'll never be content. I'm okay with saying that. However, I'll never be comfortable either. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. I don't know if that's a good way of summing it up. Yeah, no, I think it is. I, th- I think, uh, well, it, relating it again, I can only talk from personal experience. Relating it back to my personal experience, I'm probably never content with the videos or photos that I create and take because I'm always looking to the next step. Same with you. You're thinking, I've ran an Ironman but I could run it faster. And yeah. then you're thinking, or, or do it faster. And then you're thinking, well, why don't I do two this year? And then you're thinking, this is my next question. <laughs> a 250K fucking ultra marathon. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. are you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I, this is going to sound really bad, but I didn't take that that seriously. Yeah. Um, because I was so focused on my Ironman training, mm. I finished that and went, oh shit, I've got an ultra marathon to do. And it, it was only the week, the weeks leading up to it, I mm. started to realize more what I signed myself up to. Mm. Um, in my head, it was, um, in my head, the ultra marathon was easier, but before doing it, before, you know. You thought a 250k <laughs> ultra marathon was going to be easy. Um, I, 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 I thought that was easier, but. Um, when I was doing it, I experienced things I probably um, I hadn't experienced before. Talk me through them. Um, so, you know, it's a five-day event. Yeah. And you would do, there's two loops. You would do one loop one day in terms of, you might have done it two times. Then the second day you do the different, you know, the, the, uh, the other loop. 
then day three you'd go back to the first one, day four. So it was alternating. There's two loops we did. It was in Wales, south of Wales. Um, same as my Iron Man. I got sick of the bloody place after. <laughs> the accent kills you. <laughs> and then uh, day three, I experienced some serious pain in my knee and found out recently that it was actually a tear in my um, MPFL. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was pain, like serious pain. I knew something in, had gone. Yeah, had gone. But then I actually looked at it and thought, I am over... I'm 160 kilometers into this journey and I'm not willing to stop. So you just ran on it? I ran on it. And every step, and this is no word of a lie, the pain I went through in the Ironman was sore, but I wasn't, you know, nothing- You're not injured. Nothing physically injured. It was just sore. It was it was tough. Um, that, you know, the marathon was probably the most challenging thing I'd done physically. Mm. The Ironman was, uh, sorry, the ultramarathon, I got to a point where I was actually injured and thought, I need to finish this. Talk me through, people talk about this a lot when they're when they're doing extreme sports, that there's, they, they think of somebody or something to get them through said sport. What was your, what was your why? Um, I, when I sign up to something, I want to complete it. That was it. It was, just, it was just sheer motivation. Was sheer there... motivation. I just, I'm not willing to stop. That, I mean, it's, I, I'm not going to get deep about it. That, that's it. I'm just not willing to stop. I'm that, I'm a stubborn motherfucker. And that's just going to... So all, were... my, all my friends know, they, like, you could literally chop my leg off and I'd crawl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, like, genuinely, it's... Um, and then, obviously, deep down, you go through thoughts. So this is probably a wee bit deeper, but it still goes back to that. I'm just not willing to stop. In my head, I was role playing. If I stop, how will I be perceived? If I stop, um, what is the outcome here? I can't say I've done a two hundred fifty kilometer marathon. If I stop, um, how will I feel internally in mm. myself? Will I be? Will I want to come back? I don't want to do this again next year. So you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be satisfied. Yeah, I. I don't. I. I physically. Did not want to run another 250 kilometers in 2024. Mm. So I was like, I'm doing everything I can to finish this race. Mm. It was across five days. And I mean, it got to a point where my whole left leg was strapped up because it looked like it was all swollen. So I had to actually compress it so much. Mm. It was in green tape. And uh, I mean, I, I, I took a photo of it and sent it to my mates and they went, mate, you need to stop. Yeah. And then one of my mates replied saying, lads, He's not going to stop. Yeah, just keep going. And that's not being macho male. That's not yeah. being like, uh, like, oh, look at me. I'm so hard. Like, it's not that. It's not a case of that. It's just pure grit and determination. Like, and that's okay. Like saying that, like, I'm just not willing to stop. How do you think if someone was listening to this podcast and and, and, and uh, looking at the stuff you've done so far, I know, mm -hmm. I know you've got two ultra marathons coming up. How, how do you think that they could improve their grit and determination over a certain subject? Uh, do something that challenges you, not physically, but just not physically, um, but also mentally. So do something outside your comfort zone that scares you. Um, that's probably my biggest takeaway. Um, do something that scares you. Interesting. Okay. I, I think that people can get kind of addicted to that as well. Is that, what, is that the category that you fall into? You've got the adrenaline buzz from doing something that scares so, you. Yeah, so I'm at the stage now where I've done the... The, I've done the unknown, so I've done the I've done an Ironman. I've yeah. done the two fifty kilometer. I know how that feels. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I'm now in the stage where I want to, let's just say, perfect my craft. Mm. So I want to um, progress in that aspect or that um, facet of my life. And then you get to a point where if you'd get if you if you get it, you're satisfied. I'll get satisfied if I get the time that I want. I've got two shots at it in my uh, my two Ironmans this year, in August and October. <clears throat> so I have two shots at that. The recovery. I was going to ask you. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. The, the recovery, recovery was the hardest part. Was that the hardest part? Probably mentally as well. So what what happens when you you finish the Ironman or or even this ultra marathon? I mean that, that was different because you were injured. After the after the Ironman, what was what did recovery look like? It was a bit weird. So I mean, let's just take let's just go back a wee bit and yeah. think. I built five months for one thing, which I've never done before. Mm. So it was a bit of a weird process and journey for me as an individual. The on that weekend, I it was my birthday the day before. So I actually it was the weirdest birthday ever because. I mean, you'll get to this stage, the older you get, the less important birthdays become. It's just yeah. another day, isn't it? But at the same time, you know, you'll have, my, my phone was just like pinging. brutal. It was pinging with good luck messages mm. and birthday messages, but I chose to not look at them or look at them, but not reply. And that's not me being rude. I was just fo- so focused on the job at hand. And then on the day, um, I was just so focused Uh and everything had led to that day. So I just think outcome has to be really good here. I need to finish the race. That's all I was, all I needed to do. Um, and then if you fast forward the week after, it was a surreal feeling. I had just done something, five months of hard work. It's like Olympians, they train four years for one thing. And then if they don't get it, I think they're the people that we need to be careful of the most. Mental health wise as well. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I was like, is that is that it? Like, across the line, got my medal and obviously got the well done, Marcus from everyone. Which I was like, this is cool, but is that it? Like, I'm, I wasn't looking for anything else, but it was more uh, right. What next? Kind of. Thing. It, was a, it was a weird, weird feeling. I've never experienced that before. Luckily, I had. I went. I went I know how I react as a human. I went on holiday straight after, like the day Good. after, mm. uh, to try and switch off a little bit, which I did. And then started to build. I was completely fine, mentally fine. Uh, physically, I recovered really well. Uh, I was back in the gym a couple of days later, not heavy or anything, but just taking yourself to, let's just say the gym or a place where you're doing the thing that you just did, sort of exert energy and just doing that. That's a, that's a win in itself, just taking yeah. you, you know, to that place and then I had the ultra marathon to build to once I did the ultra I was going through obviously a huge emotion there of this is really this is completely different for me because I, kn- I know I can do it I can mm. I can bloody walk the ultra marathon if I really needed to but I wanted to run it obviously because it wouldn't feel right I mean you run marathons mm. and then after that it was just like I, I think the lucky thing for me was I got injured, so I had that focus post ultramarathon. Yeah. If I didn't get that, I would have been left in a really weird kind of place. State. Um, mental state, yes, but not going again, not going too deep into it. I I would have been completely fine, but it was just been weird transitions for me. I've just done two huge events, um, that year at the back at the tail end of the year, and then I had 
to uh, November, December, and now we're in January, of thinking, right, what do I do now? But because I was injured, I had the focus of rehab. So now I'm in the place now where it's kind of fallen quite nicely where I'm starting my Ironman training for my next Ironman. Yeah. So it's probably saved me a little bit, all those little fundamentals that, but for someone that goes from goes from such a high of high to what do we do after? Because there's such a gap. You can't, you can do consistent Ironmans, but you can, you can't do them well or the same level if you're doing them, for, I mean, you can't do it week on week. You certainly, you could probably do it month on month, but the outcome might not be the same. Mm. So yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a weird transition because you train so hard and long for something, and then after it's a really weird feeling. I've never experienced. I've, I've never. Ex- oh, it's, yeah, your life's different. Yeah. You shape your whole right. Uh, you shape your whole life round one thing. So your training, your nutrition, your social interaction with your mates. Now you've got all this free time to focus on social life. You've got all this free time to not train. So mm-hmm. it's like something's taken from you, even though you've already completed the thing. So yeah, it's, it's weird. It's hard to express, it's hard to explain because yeah. you'll never quite understand unless you're in it. So oftentimes, and this is, this is a really weird one, p- people that do extreme sports uh, oftentimes enjoy the silence and journey to do that because it gives their mind something to focus on. So for example, SES boys do this mm-hmm. a lot. And I was talking to, to, to one of them quite recently, actually. A, a lot of them go into extreme sports after the SES. And a lot of the times, the reason that they do this is because they have trauma in their past that they they, they need that clarity of extreme yeah, sport. Yeah, they, they need, um, yeah, I would agree with that. That's, yeah. that's definitely a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need that silence, that clarity. And they, they say that like, the, the busyness and franticness of everyday life when they're not training or skydiving, whatever they're doing, it, it, that's that's what gets them. I think it, that, that's really interesting that you say that because <clears throat> the greatest um, silence I get is for, it's as simple as just walking the dog without looking at my phone. That 45 minutes I have to think in my own head to think about situations that might happen in the day, to think about situations that have maybe happened the day before. It's that clarity. Mm. So I think as simple as that walk, let's just say walking, it doesn't have to obviously be with the dog, but in my my position, it's that 45 minutes to an hour walking with the dog, transitioning into the loneliness of me training for my Ironman. I had no one, I had a lot of headspace to think. Mm. So all you know, my weekends, I deliberately didn't take headphones on my bike. So I, you just did it silent? I just did it silent for five to six hours on a Saturday morning. I couldn't exercise well, in silence. Well, you could. I if I put a gun to your head, you could. I, I could, I, but... I, I, everyone, everyone thinks they can't do something until they do it. That's a good way to look at it. Genuinely, like... The first, the first um, bike ride, I went. Mm, not sure about this. Mm. I, th- <clears throat> I think I put them in for twenty minutes and then took them out. Put them in, you know, in the pocket and went. I'm just going to enjoy this time by myself. Uh, you think about a lot. You're more aware. I, I just honestly, it's so, uh, it's really liberating. I might try that. I might try it. I might, I might. Uh... Like I'll go to the gym sometimes and not listen to music. Yeah. Um, the next time I go run, I might try that. Yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, um, I mean, I would I would not take my uh, AirPods on a run either. So I did all my training in silence purely because on the day you're not allowed to listen to music in the race. 
Oh, so, you're not? No. Oh, so you, it was a training thing as well. It was in the back of my head. I'm very much like I'd rather um, practice the environment that I'm going to be put in mm. than not. So let's make as many things um, as similar to what I'm going to do in the day to my training. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Looking forward into, well, I suppose we're in 2024 now. Mm -hmm. Looking forward into 2024. The rest of the year. Yeah, what, so you've got two Ironmans. Is two there anything Ironmans. else? Um, Cause that's pretty big. I mean, two Ironmans. Yeah, two Ironmans. I am, um, so I'm going away. Uh, so I've left my job. Uh, I'm going fully remote online. So I'm online coach. <laughs> typical online coach no um i'm going away uh, for a little, little bit of time off because yeah. the last year i did four high rocks competitions an ironman a 250 kilometer ultramarathon i think the toll of that and competition uh, was really good like mm. i am just one for just bashing it out but the toll of it was quite big mm. in terms of i just need the time off now and just to like space to think so going away to asia for a little bit whereabouts uh, Bali. Oh, uh, you're gonna love it. Uh, Vietnam. Um, I'm going across to Japan to see my mate. Oh my god. Uh, he plays rugby there, so yeah, I think I just need the time off, yeah. but not because you know when I say time off, I'll still be working. Mm -hmm. uh, I still working remotely, but I think after that, it's like a reset button for me. Once I get back, it's like right, I'm head in the game now. Let's my 2024 starts when I get back to mm -hmm. Scotland. How long uh, you wait for? Three months. So I get back three in months. May. That's um, awesome. So yeah, it's, it's good for me. I use these, um, I use opportunities like this to reset and like be, it, it, for me it is a clean slate. My, my year starts then. So I've got um, a marathon end of May, the Edinburgh Marathon. So I'll be pacing, hopefully I can keep up with um, <laughs> I'll be pacing Sophia for a time and I've got my two Ironmans, August, Copenhagen. Mm. And I've got um, an Ironman in Barcelona in October. Wow. Wow. And then okay. we'll see. I mean, I've got two or three months left the year after that. So we'll see. We'll <laughs> You'll see figure what, something out. I'll figure something out. <laughs> Let me know if you need any advice. See, when it comes to like Bali, I've done most of these most of these countries for photography, but I also went traveling for a bit. If you need any advice, see like Bali-wise or Vietnam, mate, you'll love these places. Vietnam. Oh my God. I just stunning. think like there's... Asia's one part I've not really done. Mm. I've gone far, like New Zealand. And I've not really done Australia properly, but it's just so different culturally. So it's just, it'll be good. And um, I've said to everyone, I'd rather spend my money uh, on experiences and things I remember. Mm. So I'm going to remember my 2023. It's the biggest year yet for me. Yeah. Because, you know, I'd rather invest all my money into something like an Ironman. Yeah. And be able to use that as a, I remember that in 10 years time rather than uh, a thousand pounds jacket. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, I think I'm very much experience based. Yeah. 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 You know, you're the same as me. You're the same as me. I think that, uh, especially that's probably one of the reasons why I got into photography in the first place. I, I never really cared about ma material stuff as much as paying for like, let's say you go to Bali and experience the culture in Bali. That's something that you can take to the grave with you money you take to the grave and what you're going to celebrate having a figure in the bank well that's the thing you can't uh, you can't take your money to the grave can you yeah <laughs> so, um, it's a number on the screen well like generally when she, when you once you start thinking like that and i think the last year has been really good for me because it's given me a real like wake up call to life is short mm. i'm 27 this year Mm, the approaching 30 man it seems no, me. but like it's, it is when you think about it it's actually crazy yeah. like life goes so fast 
And if you don't take it by the scruff of the neck and you don't take action, before you know it, it'll be gone. And you don't, like, like we, we were put here to challenge ourselves. We weren't put here to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, you know, a lot of people will be surprised with what they can do. For sure. I, yeah, I think that people, people, unfortunately, can kind of waste their life away. Mm, totally. Watching. Like, people just, like, small things... Like this week, I've been sorting stuff, like self-employed stuff, like accounting, all that. And the first thing I said to him was, uh, you know, I'm probably not your typical person putting money, tons of money away for a pension because who knows, you might not be here when you're 65. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But life is too short. So I think that goes back to me. The year I've had, I'd rather tick off all these amazing things and these experiences and these races and challenge mentally and physically um, because who knows? Like I know it... You, it sounds quite deep, but who knows? You might not be here tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. No, I would rather yeah. be in that um, mindset of, like, I've done that. I, I've challenged myself, really, like, mentally, physically. Um, yeah, twenty twenty three was a good one for me. You, you will honestly. I'm, I'm telling you this from from experience. You will love yeah. Asia. You see, especially Bali, man. Like, firstly, it's jaw droppingly beautiful. What's that um, coast like? Oh yeah, the, the, the n- it starts with an N. Yeah, Nusa Penida. Nusa Penida. It's like a the famous like it's. Uh, yeah. like, do you know what I'm on about? Yeah, it looks like a crocodile. Is it? Oh yeah. It yes, 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 yeah. yes, yeah. Or an elephant rather, an yeah. elephant. But Nusa Penida is it's stunning, and you can walk down to the what's called the Diamond Beach. Mm-hmm. You need to do it, okay. which is below Nusa Penida. You have this Diamond Beach. Be careful of the waves mm-hmm. that gets people, but. Honestly, Bali is just somewhere where they practice Buddhism there. And Buddhists believe that if, uh, in karma. So if they're good to you, you, you know, the world will be good to them. So everybody is so kind. It's so different from the UK. I think I think that's part of like the amount of people that don't actually leave the UK. Oh, it's scary. I'm like, like take the leap. Mm-hmm. Like take the leap for me probably a bit of a risky move but it's not at the same time leaving my full-time job where I knew that I was getting x income a month whether how busy um or quiet I was but it's like take the leap just do it what's the worst that's going to happen well the worst that's going to happen is you firstly you learn and then you go back to your old job exactly so so like it's always going to be there and you're always going to have that experience and it let, let right it's different if you get sacked because that's a black mark against you right but if you leave willingly to start your own business if anything to an employer that shows initiative oh, exactly like i was taken back by the the feedback i got when i left last mm. week like it was like the people were genuinely happy for me exactly like they were genuinely happy for me and obviously I, I'm not one to overthink like in that aspect of life, but I uh, I was like, what? Wow. You know, the amount of people that you think are not behind you, like have your back, mm. they're the ones that actually do, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't realize how much, you know, how much people care about you until you, you know, you do a move, you, you know. A big you, move like that. A move, a move like that, complete now, man, the amount of messages you get it's quite um it's quite humbling like i it just makes you feel really special um yeah. and valued yeah you know sure. uh, valued and as you said like you know, it shows initiative for sure and, and you think... and you want someone with that grit yeah yeah like, to do it like, for you right at the start you're probably doing unpaid work mm. for photography seeing fuck all results 
he's still getting up at 3am, still being like, right, I've got to persist, got to persist, got to persist. It will pay off. But the next five years, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're just, your trajectory is going to be like that. Yeah. yeah and yeah. what people, I mean, I don't want to touch on it too much because we've already spoken about it, but what people struggle with is the instant gratification of it will come, it's a quick fix. It's That's, not. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It's I, not. I've, the biggest job, uh, this is this knows true as well, the biggest job that I've ever had so far as a photographer, you all want to, everyone wants to work with Canon. We're shooting on Canon cameras today. That's just who you want to work for. Uh, I'd, I'd had very little paid work. I was away in, I think I was in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I was doing some work in Vietnam and I got a message from like Drew. Like photography work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I got a message from Drew and he was like, Harrison, there's a message from Canon in your emails. Like you should probably you should probably respond. And I was like, yeah, uh, I don't know, probably fake. Like, And then all of a sudden I got a call. By the way, like it's Canon. We, we want to work with you. And, and it comes when you don't expect it. Well, and it comes thing. all of a sudden. Yeah, and normally those things, I mm. bet you had a few other things that month that mm. came in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and it's all at once. It's so all like, at once. And what people do, and this this is so upsetting, they'll be working and working. So let's say the goal's here. And as soon as they hit that goal, by the way, anyone listening, I'm putting my hands up. Uh, as soon as they hit that goal, that's when things start coming in. They'll work, 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 and then give up just there. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, below it comes all, in. All they need to do is that little bit. Yeah. Um, that little bit before they reach the goal. Yeah. That, yeah that's yeah. the most important part. Obviously, the last log. you know, yeah, it's the last little bit. The bit that you think doesn't matter mm. is the most important part. Like oh, for, for sure. me, it's like never being, that's why I think that never being satisfied is a good thing because you're always on your toes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, um, I say a saying to, I said a saying to my bosses a year and a half ago, I said, I just don't want to be um, like stale. Mm. I'm just not willing to be stale. I'm not willing to be comfortable. Yeah. I don't want to be, I don't want it to be monotonous. As soon as it hits the point, as soon as it gets to the point where it's monotonous, that's when you need to change it up. But that's where most people don't because they're comfortable. Yeah. No, I'm so with you. I'm so with you. Um, We have a closing tradition on this podcast Mm -hmm. and it kind of varies from person to person, but I suppose for you, it would be what is the most valuable lesson that you have learned on your fitness journey? Oh, that's a good one. What is the most valuable lesson I've learned on my fitness journey? Uh, To persist and to not, well, to not give up. So um, to explain it a little bit more, you you need to challenge the narrative all the time. So when you think you've not got something or when you think you can't do something, most times than not, you actually can. Mm. It's, a bit, it's a bit like that saying, I think it's a, if, you, if, you, if, if you're done, you're actually only probably 60%. Yeah, you're only halfway. Yeah, you're only yeah. halfway. Um, totally like... Um, when you think you're done, you're actually not. You're only, you, you know, you're only fifty percent of the way there. Yeah, and you see that on. I've been doing a load of Monroe's recently, and you get halfway and you think this is shit, mm-hmm. and you think I'm done, but you need to get to the top, right? So you push yourself that little bit further, totally, and you realise you've got so much more in the tank. And like, to make it like sound like really real and relatable, um, part of my marathon in my Ironman, I actually walked for twenty seconds. Mm. So um, we're like, it's four loops, four of the same loop. And on the second loop, I walked through like a little town, it was like through the little town centre. There was someone ahead of me and there was someone watching at the side and the person at the side uh, shouted, come on, Marcus, you've got it. Don't give up. And it wasn't actually that comment that spurred me on. It was Mm -hmm. like, I actually had a word with myself and went, 
I made a promise that I'm not going to stop for the rest of the marathon because mm. um, I thought I was done. But then I, you know, as the saying said, you're only 50% done. You've still got 50% to give. For sure. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming in. Where can people find you? What's your Instagram handle? Um, Instagram, Marcus Kennedy, PT. What, website up and coming? Uh, yeah, it'll be coming. I mean, all these things. Yeah. Um, I've got so much to do in terms of... <laughs> you're telling me. Bro. You're telling uh, me. Being self-employed isn't as glamorous at the start, but once yeah. you get everything done, um, it, the, I mean, the, the it will come. Yeah. However, yeah, Instagram, Marcus Kennedy, PT. Um, hopefully get a wee YouTube or something up soon. Oh, yeah. for sure. Well, that's what I, I was literally... I was going to speak to you off camera. I think that a YouTube would benefit you so much. Reason being is that YouTube is a search engine instead of a social media tool. So... Mm-hmm. Social media, you could have 100,000 followers on Instagram, but you don't really hit 100,000 people. Interaction, yeah. Whereas YouTube, let's say you you make a, a video, how to run an Ironman. A lot of people would watch that. Totally, totally, running, yeah. And given your experience. But, but you think that you don't. But yeah. until you actually do these things, I'm going, oh God, people actually care about this shit. Yeah, for sure. You know, so again, persistence. It's persistence. And it's also like niche shit. Like the, the, I make videos about watches. You'd be surprised at the amount of people watch that. Fifty percent, fifty percent of people don't care about the watch, but yeah. the people that do care, the ones that, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah, the ones yeah. you're targeting. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And cool. I, honestly, I think you should do a YouTube channel. It'll really benefit you. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me. I really oh, no, appreciate your time today. And it's good to see you. It's good yeah, to see you. Been a long time. Back from school. Oh.